Welcome to Navigating Real Estate, where we discuss the skills, strategies, and success mindset you need to become a top producing real estate broker. I'm your host, Ryan Bucola. Affordable housing is a big topic of conversation in Bend, and for good reason, as we've watched home prices soar here locally over the course of the last two years, the dream of home ownership can feel out of reach for some. We're excited to have Cindy King here today to discuss what the city is working on in this area. As current chair of the city's Affordable Housing Advisory Committee, Cindy can teach us a lot about what's happening today and what the future holds. Welcome, Cindy King. Thank you. Cindy King has been a full-time real estate broker in Bend, Oregon since 1996. That's like the turn of a century. That's like a long time ago. I'm Yes, I'm starting to be the seasoned agent. The seasoned veteran. She works as a top relocation specialist in Bend and specializes in west side properties and other core areas of Bend. Growing up in Central Oregon, she has personal knowledge and background as to what unique qualities various neighborhoods have to offer. Clients call her the king. Fun fact about Cindy, her husband Rip is a reality star on Discovery Channel's Deadliest Catch. Welcome, Cindy. Thank you so much. How are you today? Really good. Good to be here. Good, good. What are you seeing out there? Well, we're seeing some changes, the market shifting. I think a lot of people in real estate are seeing changes. Um, There's a lot of activity within the city of Bend. The housing department has has been able to um, hire two new positions. So they have more people helping with the housing department, which is greatly needed. Yes. I know when they did that, that software rollover, a few people left. With yes. Them, you know, they were like, they'd have fed up and they left. Right. What challenges has Ben's real estate market, uh, market confronted in terms of providing affordable housing recently? You know, I think this is nationwide, but of course we live here. So this is a direct experience for people is the pricing that just shot up April, March, April of 2019 from the pandemic. And nobody predicted that until it was happening. And then it was, everything went sky high. Um, The city got really busy with permits. Um, Prices went way high, but interest rates were low. Now we have higher rates and less inventory just for various reasons. So those are some of the challenges that we're facing here in Central Oregon. It's really interesting. You know, we've seen a 100% increase in interest rates. That's a bananas. Just that statement alone is bananas, but we haven't seen a hundred percent increase in inventory. No. Right. And, and I think that's because many people refinanced with pretty low rates, some under 3% during that short window. And now if they want to sell, they're looking at being more competitive with their pricing and then their interest rate is a hundred percent higher than it was. So that really changes what you can spend on a a monthly basis. It's a backwards move. Yeah. It's a backwards move. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Um, Let's, you know, I think the other, the other notable is you had mentioned nationwide and I want to talk about the Pacific Northwest and the mountain West, Uh, Boise, Bozeman, Salt Lake city, you know, those places, you know, people are having the very same conversations here that we're having here 
you know, quasi resort towns, lifestyle towns where people want to ski and mountain bike and hike and fish and do all those things. Um, and the, they're having, it's just worth it to note that we are not alone in Bend as what I would call a blue, blue collar resort town. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got a hundred thousand people, we've got jobs, we've got fun things to do, but we're not Aspen. We're not Telluride. Um, we're not Sun Valley. Valley, Right. So I just wanted to point that out that that's, you know, there are some things in our marketplace that keep us from having the billionaires push out the millionaires like Jackson hole. Right. Right. We are not that. So how's the city responding to the challenges and, and those resulting needs? What are you seeing from, from where you sit? Well, during the pandemic, the city received additional funding from the government, like through the CARES Act and a couple of other financial assistance measures that were available. Um, but as of now, all of those extra funds are gone. So um, we have the infrastructure signed by the current president. I can't remember the name of it, the infrastructure plan. We can call we it the structure to, plan. We'll just call yeah. it the infrastructure plan. Yeah, there you go. Um, where there's funds for a lot of things, um, but that's going to take several years to have that money come in to the cities from the federal government. So the city right now, knowing that the CARES Act funds, and there's some tightening of that, we are trying to come up with other ways to fund um, a homeless shelter that they're working on, uh, that they put into place within the last year. And so there's a lot... Staff was working really hard to try to come up with solutions, some solutions, until the infrastructure funding is available. And then, of course, um, our new governor signed that executive order for, uh, I think it's $150 million toward housing. And that is still being worked on. She's just putting together a task force on how to implement that funding and who's, who's going to get it and where and when. So right. we're, it's going to be tight yeah. here for the next couple of years. Affordable housing is always such an interesting topic. If we just talk about from the, the basic economics of how to bring new inventory to the marketplace, let's talk about how do we build a house. The very ground level of building a home is how much does the lot cost? How much does the dirt cost? And when we see economies like we've seen in the last 36 months where everything has seen a huge appreciation, you know, in recessionary times, the dirt is the first thing to reset. We saw that in 2008. Correct. It didn't matter where we were. We were selling building sites for lending institutions, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, um, some in Nevada and Basically, everything cost about fifteen to twenty thousand dollars. If we're talking about a five thousand square foot, but lot, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it just didn't matter if we were in Bend or if we were in Portland or if we were in Vancouver, Washington, and and it was all about the same. And now we're at two hundred thousand dollars for those same lots. So if we just start there, the you know the the in that equation the cost of the final cost of the house, your lot should be a quarter to two thirds of that. 
right? Yes, that's yeah. a great guideline. You know, so let's call it a quarter. Mm-hmm. So just for an easy conversation, if you have a $200,000 home site, no permits, no sticks, no concrete, no roofing materials, no windows, that's an $800,000 house. Right. Pure and simple. So at the very core of this issue is, are we asking the people who own the dirt to put no value to that dirt in order to be affordable? Some people are asking. Yes. And the landowners are like, why me? Why Why would I do that? What incentives are there? What can we do to make something pencil? Right. Um, and I think the reason lot prices or bare land prices are remaining high is we don't have as much of it to build on like we did in 2008. Right. Right. And right. the developers that now went through that tough time and then they're back in it, they're very cautious this time around with um, less buyers. And they're feeling the pressure of pricing too. Um, but so far, it hasn't been as drastic as it was right. then. Everybody has a little 2008 PTSD if you've yeah, been in the market. They don't want to relive it. No. I think it's also worth saying, you know, the the people that oftentimes hold the hold the value of all that dirt is Mr. and Mrs. Farmer that's on the edge of, of the urban growth boundary, right? And they've farmed that. 10 to 200 acres for 50 years or generations mm-hmm. barely squeaking by. Right. And now it's time to, to collect. And so it's, you know, I think people in, in the general marketplace feel like that a lot of people that control dirt are greedy. They control real estate are greedy. I have heard that term come up and it, it couldn't be farther from the truth. In my opinion, just yeah. based on my lodge, my knowledge with real estate. Yeah. Yeah. It's expensive to get your land developed and bring the improvements. Yeah. Um, just, you know, alone, the city of Bend probably is $400 million short of all the infrastructure they need to do what they want to do. Yeah. And, yeah. and the big question is who pays for that? And right. People think development, bring the developers and then they'll pay as they go, but it doesn't always work that way. It doesn't. It doesn't. So anyways, I just wanted to kind of, I'd love to kind of, I love to have that conversation because it sets the basic tenor for the whole conversation of how do we get affordable? Because windows cost what windows cost. Siding costs what siding costs. Roofing costs. Roofing costs, right? And, And then we have to pay affordable, we get to pay affordable wage to laborers who build, install, construct. So the basic math of it is really challenging to be affordable as we see, let's talk about inflation just real quick, right? Mm -hmm. There it is. You know, that's the, if your window package goes from 20,000 to 80,000 or your lumber package or your, you know, so on and on and on all those line items that happen when we, when we build, when we build houses. So we try to get affordable. So it's so important that we have, a presence at a city level, a county level, a state level to try to, to be affordable. Exactly. Yeah. And one, one thing that's starting to occur more often in core community land trust is um, kind of really making it known in the community are building homes and the land's in, held in a trust. So the land does, is not included with 
the property, someone can buy the home and they can build equity based on certain structures of, of the gain. Hopefully the market keeps going up. I keep reminding them, hey, sometimes it's going to go down. Right. So you can't always count on, you know, 20% appreciation, which would be horrible. Um, but then keeping the land in a trust so it helps keep the cost down. There's still the infrastructure costs. Um, and there's a lot of loan programs um, federally and state that these people apply for. And it's a lot of work for them to know how to navigate um, the, the lift funds and, and percentages from the government that they can get because they have to meet qualifications too. And I think that probably adds a year to the project just getting through that process of, okay, how am I going to secure this funding? I, I have to spend it this amount by this time and I have to show my plan um, but it, I think that's going to, I think we're going to start seeing land trust more and more. Interesting. So you talked about core community land trust a little bit. What kind of mm -hmm. projects are on the horizon? So they, they've actually have a couple going on. They just finished their project off of 27th street. Um, there's a daycare 27th and Reed market kind of in that area. Um, all of their homes are lead. Well, I don't want to say lead, but they are as efficient as possible, um, Every, electric, solar, everything is energy efficient, insulation. They're very well-built homes. The other project they're just starting to work on is um, on Poplar Avenue, which is in Southwest Bend. And then they're in communications with the county and the city on a strip of land that's owned by the county, right on Simpson, just north of uh, OSU campus. Up by the college. Up by the college. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah there's, there's a bunch of units slated to go in there. Yes, and there's... Um, Pumice. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember the the pumice mine across the street that they had to do a study on for OSU. But there's some of that on the other side of the road, and there's a lot of rocks, and mm -hmm. the topography is challenging. So there's extra costs in that. But that's another project they're doing, which is pretty exciting. Interesting. Interesting. Let's talk about creative financing options. It seems like there are some programs available that people may not know about. What do you, what can you tell us? Right. So I might have to break that down. Like Break it down. Capital A affordable housing, those are those statewide and federal funds that like Pacific Crest Homes know and apply for. Those the not-for-profits, nonprofits, they're the ones that use that creative financing. And those are bigger projects like um, Canal Commons. They're on the end of Empire and 27th mm -hmm. by Trinity Lutheran. Those apartments are all affordable housing. They're amazing. Um, they utilize special financing for that. What I call lowercase affordable housing is like your specific starter home, 1,100 square foot house, neighborhood street. Um, financing has been opening up to where lenders are able to offer 0% down. There is expansions to VA financing and options there. Um, so that's two separate things depending on capital A or what I call lowercase a. So like in a capital A situation, you'd be talking about more of a uh, incentive to a developer to build and bring, would we call rental, rental affordable rental units they, to market? They, they can be a mix of rental and um, for sale. Um, house bill, this is what I'm, I hope I remember this, 4067. I'll look at my notes. 4079, got it. That's the um, city of Bend applied, and so did the city of Redmond based on population. They applied with the state for um, 
kind of sidetracky normal approval with the city and to build housing outside the urban growth boundary and see what they could do. So Bend and Redmond were both the cities that won that pilot program. So um, Hayden Homes is going to develop the one in Northeast Bend, just south of Highway 20. It's about 35 acres. Um, the, the process allowed up to 50 acres to be developed for affordable housing. And so uh, I'm gonna look here. About 346 units are gonna be built and 40% of those are gonna be uh, affordable. And then some are for rent and some are to purchase. Wow. And that's just starting to happen. It, it was passed in 2016. So it's 2023 right now. So it takes time to yeah to go through these processes. Nine years? Is that nine years? Seven years? Seven years. I was told there'd be no math. Well, just single-digit no math. math. Single-digit math. If you're a buyer, what are some resources that are available if you're looking for affordable housing in Bend? Oh, gosh. Um, well, one, you can get on the uh, bendoregon.gov website. Um, they have some resources there for some direction. What's always good is to connect with a realtor or find a lender that knows about programs that are for that specific demographic. Um, that's where I would start. Neighbor Impact, which is a, a nonprofit company, they provide, um, almost said therapy. Sometimes I need therapy. <laughs> they provide counseling for, hey, how do, I, how do I start saving to buy my first home? What do I need to know? What is it like to be a homeowner? They provide counseling sessions for that. Um, budgeting, how to budget your, your finances so you can be a homeowner and, and be solid and not just, oh, gosh, I hope this all works. Um, and Habitat for Humanity also provides programs for that if you wanted to apply for a Habitat home. It's great. It's great. Has there been any discussion about how the city and the county can be more streamlined in their permit process and mm. be less intrusive in their cost at affordable at an affordable level? How they can how they can participate? You know, if if we take a you know a basic let's talk about a 2,500 square foot single family home in, in uh, the city of Bend, you know, your permit costs are probably $30,000 approximately. Oh, Cindy's giving me the thumbs up thumbs more, up. more. Yeah. They're probably closer to 35 to 40. Yeah. And your parks and rec fee, which is also in there. Yeah. Which the is parks and rec know. SDCs. So there's, there are some, there are some things in there that I would think at a state and local level would be worth negotiating or being able to um, provide some incentive to help make that more affordable? So a lot of the applicants for affordable housing projects um, request SDC waivers. And um, SDCs also include water and sewer, city water, city sewer. And I'm just talking about City of Bend. Mm -hmm. um, the City of Bend, while it's in Deschutes County, there that's two separate management styles, for lack of a better word. So a lot of the projects do get SDC waivers, and that's what the Affordable Housing Advisory Committee, we review the requests, and then we make the request known to council and ask them to waive those SDC charges because that really helps with the cost. Um, some of the projects, the SDCs are over $100,000. Yeah. Um, and then we, the last few years, we were able to negotiate with the Parks and Rec to waive their SDCs, and we were able to get them to waive them for 
100 units per year. So they wanted to put a cap on it, but they were willing to help us out because the S parks SDCs, the way, the way the law is, they can only collect certain amount of funds when the house is built. And, and they can only fund certain projects just from that funding source. And then as you look at your property taxes, you see parks and rec taxes. So those funds um, fund other things for the parks. So there's a lot of legal ties to how they can spend and use the money. So they're very sensitive to waiving SDCs because it's a big portion of their budget. Right. So then when you mention the county, the county is pretty separate. But I would say in the last year, um, our housing manager, have we've been talking more with the county, and they've got a property manager that we've been communicating with to see what we can do with certain projects and how we can work with them. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Because that's, you know, those are basic, really basic, easily identifiable line items. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What incentives available are available for real estate developers out there to, to build affordable housing? So like I mentioned before, they some of the incentives are the SDC waivers they can apply for as a part of their project. Um, other waivers or discounts with their percentage is through LIFT funds or the loan program programs available from the state. Um, the trick is they have to meet timelines for those incentives. Um, the other big incentives are the SDC waivers that really help. Um, I, there's one more thing, and it's I'm missing it. We'll come back around to yeah, it. Yeah, it'll come back. How long have you been on the on the uh, affordable housing advisory committee? Six years. Six years. And in those six years, it's, um, what have you seen? What, what changes have you seen? What's the tenor? Tell me a little bit about that. So it's, it's really been a great experience. So my position as a realtor is I'm an appointed position for that committee. Um, it's not an at-large position. There are a couple of at-large positions. So when I started, the housing department for the city of Bend had um, a full-time person, Jim Long, and a part-time. And now there are five full-time people working, and one of the newer positions is houselessness. And how are we, how are we going to manage this, and what does it look like? So um, the, the positions at the city are staffing. Um, the, the staffing is growing. And so that's a big difference. Um, so our reach, worst, I think we're also starting to educate the community we might start being like the center point for people to contact because we, um, as a committee and then as staff, we there's a lot of lingo. There's a lot of acronyms, right? Sometimes I hear a new one even you know, at a meeting. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Um, we might start becoming the hub of people calling us, even like housing developers. Um, who can you connect me with? Who do you know that can help me with this project? Because some housing developers want to get involved, but they don't know who to call. And they just, they don't want to get, okay, I'm going to date myself. They don't want to get the yellow pages out and just guess, mm -hmm. right? But I'm starting to see that shift as well. And attending the council goal sessions a couple of weeks ago, um, that was discussed with the new council of how the housing committee can benefit all these other committees and just be more efficient and share our knowledge to help save time and give people some direction. 
housing advisory committee meetings are the second Wednesday of every month at three o'clock at city hall. Excellent. How, tell me about the turnout. Who usually shows up? Does anybody show up? I show up. Yeah, I know you show up. <laughs> it's a great committee. It's made up of um, appraisers, lenders, architects, um, real real estate. It's a good diverse mix of people. And who usually show up are advocates for housing. Um, a lot of our guests are from Habitat for Humanity, Neighbor Impact, um, uh, COVA. They'll join the meeting because some of the decisions that we want city council to make affect um, the builders. Mm-hmm. And, and they, are, they provide really good information for us that we might not know. I want to circle back to the you know, outside opinion about people in real estate lenders, real estate brokers, builders, developers, is that we're greedy. And um, again and again and again, we continue to show up for our community mm-hmm. and donate time, dollars, energy, ideas for like this affordable housing. Um, and and it just, it's so important for for the people that are in our industry to continue to show up in the time space, in a monetary space, wherever you can fill that to get involved, to give back. Cause without like that committee that you just talked about lenders, appraisers, real estate brokers, builders without, without our involvement in that stuff, who's going to carry that torch. Right. And, and to explain, even just repeat yourself over and over. Like we had a developer who is building affordable housing in Bend, and he came and showed us his um, I, his worksheet. He had a special name for it, but it, all the line items for the land costs and the loan carrying costs, and just a loan every day for him, $600 a day. For every day, he's got a loan out until he sells the house. Real money. Real money. And so, you know, one of his concerns was the permitting process, you know, to get a permit... They, there's no time sensitivity in the permit department, but when a developer has is waiting for a permit, that's six hundred dollars a day, yeah. and that's that's real hard money. And a lot of the people on the well, a lot of the people in the meeting and on the committee, it it's always a learning experience because no one had any, no one broke it down like that, or or just a change in interest rates. The project Wish Camper there on the south end of town, Murphy Road. If they had to pay their rates today to build that project, it would have been another $15 million and they wouldn't have been able to do it just with the 3% change in interest rates. Crazy. It's substantial. Yeah. So all things count. All things count. Every day matters. I think it's a, it's a critical need. You know, as we look around our communities as a whole, we have houselessness, we have uh, shelters, we have services. So how do we, you know, how do we, how do we transition people from off the streets into those shelters, into the back into, into, into their houses and with the help of local resources, charities, furnish hope, the giving plate places like this, you know, as these, as our community comes together to uh, transition people from, you know, on being on the street to, to into housing. Right. And that, that was discussed 
at length at the council goal sessions and then just at the end of the year, our committee going, hey, you know, we talk about the missing middle housing, which is, you know, housing with three to five doors and it's connected and it's, you got a little courtyard and, you know, zoning restricted that 40 years ago and now we want to bring that back. So that's middle housing. But what was brought up and what you said so perfectly is there's a gap between getting someone shelter, they get stabilized, they feel safe, they've got a job, then where do they go? Like that next step is, okay, right now they they move in with family or they move back where they were. And sometimes that's not the best option. So we're we're looking at, okay, what's what's that intermediate step between shelter, like Bethlehem Inn? Um, what's the next step? And then they can get to a, a full-time apartment rental um, or that kind of, we want it, we're missing that next step up right? And, that we're really focused on. And it's, it's just become more and more exposed since I think since the pandemic is, you know, I oh, think it's tremendously just, really, so. just really seen not, not to, you know, I think houselessness, homelessness, all that stuff is, is it's a different topic, a different, a different topic. Um, but all plays into this and how the community shows up, how we show up in our jobs, how um, home builders can show up and, it's really it's a it's a collective effort, and there there are a lot of people working hard with that. And another aspect of the Affordable Housing Advisory Committee is we have funding for services, and that funding is from HUD, but it's limited to fifteen percent of the total HUD funds we get every year. But we we help support Thrive and Grandma's House, um, Neighbor Impact, and those places offer counseling and assistance to people that need it. Some are, some just need it for a month. Uh, Neighbor Impact, they leverage so much money to help people even get caught up on their mortgage so they stay in their home and don't lose their home. Right. Or they keep their rent payments up so they don't get an eviction notice for non-payment. Um, as we know, during COVID, there were some restrictions on evicting tenants if they couldn't pay because we had extenuating circumstances. Those are no longer in place, but Neighbor Impact the whole time offers counseling for, for that assistance just to keep people in their homes. Yeah. Because when you, if you're, if you lose your home, we don't have enough inventory with very good options for people. It's, it's quite, it's quite telling. It's one thing to get people into housing, but then keeping them there, keeping them in housing as well. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Cindy. Thank you for coming to join us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was a fantastic conversation. I think so. Yeah. Come to the next meeting. It's next week. Sounds good. Uh Thank you. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you for joining us on Navigating Real Estate. Listen, follow, drop us a review. Your feedback means a lot. And if you like what you're hearing, make sure to share it.